0: So talk about him when it's a logical thing to do, when it fits into conversation. You know, say, I remember when your husband did whatever. Oh, yeah. And and you can all laugh together over it or um, commiserate over it, depending on what the story is. Um, And and I I find that's really hard for some people. They're good at saying, I'm sorry, but they're not good at going at the secondary thing, which is keep talking about the guy because he was very special.
1: I'm Pam Lundell. And this is A Widow's Heart. Hey, welcome to A Widow's Heart, episode three already. I'm Pam Lundell, your host. And before we get started, my guest today is Gail Roper. I want to tell you about my life verse. I always used to be a little jealous about everyone who had a life verse. And I thought, how do you find that? Well, it was six months after my husband, John, passed away and I was in a grief group for widows at my church. And I turned a page in our guide and it was Psalm 91, verse four. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wing you will find refuge his faithfulness will be your shield and rampart and the verse spoke to me so many years ago and I picture a grand eagle protecting its young his strong wings wrapped around them shielding them from whatever the world brings and if you're on the journey of a widow you know the hills and the valleys and I hope you know God's endless love for you and that you are not alone My guest today on A Widow's Heart is Gail Roper. Gail has been on the journey of a widow and has written an amazing book called A Widow's Journey, Reflections on Walking Alone. But Gail is pretty prolific. She's written more than 30 books along with that. Her novels have won numerous awards. You might want to check those out. Gail is a popular speaker at nationwide women's events and writers' conferences and is the author, as I mentioned, of A Widow's Journey. And that's what we're going to talk about today because... Gail welcome it is a journey and I'm hoping you can just take off and tell us a, a little bit well about your journey and um, how you came to be a widow
0: okay I was married for uh, 47 years to a really great guy named Chuck mm-hmm. and um, he became ill with cancer and for three and a half years fought it with uh, chemo and you know everything that you tried to do and um, when when he finally died, um, I guess I had had time to prepare, um, but of course you can't because it's totally different when the fact happens. But there is something about a long illness that is good because you do get your chance to uh, say goodbye and talk about things that are important and stuff like that as opposed to an immediate death. And um, it, one of the interesting things as I look back on it, in the middle of Chuck's um, treatments, he had a six month period where he didn't have to take chemo. And we took mm. our family, we took our family for a cruise. Oh, and it's, wonderful. It's one of my best memories. Uh, the kids were young, but they were not too young. Um, and, and we had a wonderful time. We set it up with the fact that uh, since we were paying their way, they had to eat dinner with us every night, but they could do <laughs> what they wanted to during the day. I love that. And it turned out, like I said, to be one of the best things we did because it was just such a good memory for all of us to have.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, when finally Chuck went to heaven, um, I remember, too, when my husband passed away in 2005, just kind of a widow's fog. And as you look Mm -hmm. back now, um, and and it's been several years, what were your first thoughts and feelings as I'm a widow.
0: It's very strange. One of the strangest things I think is that uh, you no longer belong to anybody. And I don't mean belong like chattel type of thing, but he's yours, you know, he's he's yours. And then all of a sudden he's not there anymore. And he he's not there for you. And you're, you're left not belonging to anybody, not having somebody you can touch, not having somebody you can sit shoulder to shoulder with, little things like that. And one of the first times after Chuck died that um, I went out for dinner with some friends, uh, there were three couples and me. And, um, you know, I was doing okay. And they started to lead us to our table in the dining room. And it was set up with three on each side and one at the end. Mm. And I thought, if they put me in that end seat, I don't think I can handle it right now. Aww. It was it was too new. This is within the first month after Chuck's death. And it was just too new to be marked as that single person. And, of course, none of them thought about it at all. It didn't occur to them that this would be an issue. And in all the milling around while seven people take their seats, I ended up in the middle on one side and uh, that was fine. One of the guys who didn't care ended up in the single seat at the end. Okay. But after, afterwards I told the other women and they said, I never ever would have thought of that in a million years. And these are the little things that happen that you don't anticipate.
1: Oh, I'm looking, we're we're talking with Gail Roper, who is the author of many books, but including A Widow's Journey, Reflections on Walking Alone. And that story that you just told us really exhibits that, that aloneness that you feel. And I love on your book, you said, um, so who am I now that there's only one place at the table, one pillow with a head dent one damp towel after a shower. There's only one toothbrush in the holder. The seat is never left up anymore. I never thought you'd miss that. <laughs> I, <never laughs> thought I, I would miss that too. And I remember when John passed away, as you mentioned, your husband was, was sick with cancer. Um, my husband died of an accidental overdose and I always thought that he would get better. Um, and yeah. After, after a lot of years, I realized he did get better. He got healed in heaven, but that's not exactly what I, what I wanted at the point at that point. You know, we can make our plans, but God determines our steps. So as you move forward, Gail, and what are, what are some of the things that you have learned that you can share with maybe we've got widows definitely listening, but friends of widows, what are things to say and maybe not to say?
0: Well, one of the things I think is great to say, is the guy's name? Talk about him. Tell stories about him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, bring him up in conversation. Don't make believe he never existed. Uh, that means everybody's walking on eggshells, and it's very uncomfortable. So talk about him when it's a logical thing to do, when it fits into conversation. You know, say, "I remember when your husband did whatever." Oh yeah. And you can all laugh together over it, or um, commiserate over it, depending on what the story is. Um, And I find that's really hard for some people. They're good at saying, I'm sorry, but they're not good at going at the secondary thing, which is keep talking about the guy because he was very special in the life of, of his widow. And she wants everybody to remember how special he was.
1: You know, even to this day, Gail, people will come up to me and tell me stories about John, and it just warms my heart. and And I laugh, and I and I have told people the same thing to talk about them. One of the things I wanted to share with you is that someone did for me. I didn't even realize it, but on the 14th of September, I received a card and a little note about John. And on the 14th of every month for the first year, this friend of mine sent me something through snail mail, reminding me of John. And I realized it was on the, the anniversary of, of when he went to heaven.
0: That, that is really sweet. And that is an amazing woman to remember to do that for a whole I year.
1: No, and it didn't even <laughs> dawn on me. Um, can you address the, the, um, the subject too that I've heard people talk about many times and that's the widow's fog and how, how to deal with that?
0: Oh boy, the widow's fog descends on you at the time you have to make critical decisions. You have to decide money things and social security things and funeral things and uh, career things and, you know, all all kinds of things. And you are thinking less clearly than you ever will in your life. And um, every widow seems to go through it, but it makes you feel like you're an idiot because you can't keep track of things that you normally could have kept track of um, prior to this. But I think every widow has it to some degree. And it it takes a while to, it takes a while to fade away.
1: It does. And when you're looking, I'm I'm just thinking about, you know, the days and the months after he died, what were some things that, that people did for you that um, you were grateful for?
0: We had belonged to a dinner group of, uh, with five other couples for say 30, 35 years. And we got together once a month for dinner and everybody liked everybody, but everybody was too busy with their own families and, you know, life and church and jobs and stuff like that until the guys got sick. And uh, three weeks after Chuck died, one of the other men in the group, his wife found him dead on the floor in the morning. Mm. And um, one of the other guys... um, Turned into to have some legal issues and there ended up being a divorce there. So all of a sudden of the six women in this little group, three of us no longer had husbands. And oh my. Mm. Uh, these women came alongside. It was sort of like a group thing. We would go out to dinner, just the women, and we would just sit and people would listen to whoever had to talk that night. And they just sat and listened. And um, nobody said, well, you ought to do this. Well, of course you want to do that. They listened. And at that point, that was what was needed. And now, later on, um, advice probably is good. But at the beginning, listen, just listen.
1: Hmm. I was, um, th- we're listening to you. you're listening to a widow's heart. My guest is, uh, author Gail Roper, and she has been on the journey of a widow as well and has written an amazing book that you might want to check out called a widow's journey reflections on walking alone. And, um, Gail, I'm, I'm part of a uh, nonprofit in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis and Saint Paul, of a of a group for widows called Widow Might M I G H T. And one thing that's developed over the years is just what you are talking about. There are widow connect groups, and because of the pandemic, we've been doing zooms, and that's just weird. You know, you don't get to get get together. But um, the one thing that women do, even women in grief, is that we can talk and we can share stories.
0: That's very very true, and I think. There are three things I think that a woman needs to handle uh, being a widow well. Um, And one of them is this friends thing, crucial, crucial. And if you have family nearby that are coming alongside, that's also wonderful. Uh, But often family lives halfway across the country, so it becomes friends who who, uh, are to be the caregivers and the helpers. One of the other things I think we need to develop and it's good to develop it beforehand if you can, but if not, afterwards, and that's something that is yours. Not you as a couple, but you as an individual. Uh, mm. A woman uh, could be a job, it could be a hobby, it could be a ministry, it could be you know a hobby, doesn't matter what it is, but it's yours. You don't do this with your husband. This is your territory. And so after he dies, this is a safe place to go because you did not expect him to be there anyway.
1: So in your life, what was that, Gail?
0: It was my writing. Um, You know, when I wrote, I always sat alone and thought alone and and did it by myself. And so that became a place where I could go. Although, interestingly, I couldn't write about Chuck for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, It just didn't feel right for whatever reason. I had a novel I had to finish, and I was doing that. And... um, that took me out of my sorrow too and put me in the characters lives for a while. Um. But all of a sudden about a year and a half in I started seeing these little tiny blurbs um, you know short pieces Uh, and I I don't usually write really short and uh, but I kept seeing these in my mind and different thoughts and different ideas and that's when I started writing them down and I thought I'm gonna do a blog and I'm going to do a blog that covers the first two years of would, which, of course, are the most difficult uh, times. And um, so that became something of mine that I could do. And um, in a way, Chuck tagged along, but he wasn't part of it because, you know, he didn't do it. He didn't see me do it. It was my thing. And then after we had done the, um, the blog for two years, or I had done the blog for two years, thought, why not a book? You know, I'm a writer, so let's make it a book. And mm-hmm. so we made it a book. And then I thought, well, why don't some writers, I mean, widows get together. After all, um, I, I go to writers' conferences all the time, uh, teach Adam, love him, love the people and the interaction with similar um, interested people, you know. And I was like, let's do this for widows. Let's try and have uh, a widows' conference. And there's the Christian conference center near me that I've worked with before. And they were fascinated with it. They, they had been talking about the possibility when I called and suggested it. So we have Widow's uh, Journey Weekend too. But they were my things, you know? And mm-hmm. we need to develop those my things, whatever yours happens to be. Maybe you take painting lessons. Maybe you learn to play the piano.
1: I'm Pam Lundell with A Widow's Heart. Talking with Gail Roper, we're going to hear more about her book, A Widow's Journey, Reflections on Walking Alone, and how she also walked that road alone, probably just like you on A Widow's Heart. A Widow's Heart is grateful for the support of Wings for Widows. Walking through widowhood is incredibly challenging. The number of important decisions that need to be made can simply be overwhelming and it's hard to know who you can trust. Wings for Widows provides personalized financial planning to help widows and widowers move forward with clarity, confidence, and control over their financial wellness. All services are provided at no cost. More information is available at wingsforwidows.org. I'm talking with Gail Roper. She is a wonderful, talented woman. Also lost her husband, Chuck, um, a few years ago and has written a wonderful book among many called A Widow's Journey, Reflections on Walking Alone. And thanks so much for joining me again today, Gail.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. Believe me.
1: And, you know, can you, now now that you're looking back, um, when did it, Stop
0: hurting so much. Is is that a tough question? <laughs> oh no, that's that's a reasonable question, and mm-hmm. I think the answer is it, it, it's very slow, so that you don't realize it uh, as much, and all of a sudden you'll think, "Oh, today wasn't that bad a day," mm-hmm. and it's it sort of creeps up on you because um, you're living it so daily. You know, it's it's like um, you don't realize your kid has changed. Until you look at their new school picture and you think, oh. <laughs> oh, they really did change. And it's that slow when you're around it that you don't you don't necessarily see. One time, one of the little blurbs in the book, I uh, likened it to seeing a bluebird out of the corner of my eye. I just saw this little bright movement out of the corner of my eye, and when I turned, it was gone. But then later on, I saw it again, and I caught it a glimpse of it before it went, and. Getting away from grief is sort of like that. You have this little brief glimpse of not grief, and then you have a bigger glimpse of not grief. And eventually, um, it's not that you forget because you don't want to forget, but it's that it doesn't hurt all the time.
1: Yes. And can you tell me um, what, what helped you cope during the first year, the second year, even the third year?
0: Well, I think part of the thing that helped me to cope was, as I mentioned, uh, friends who came alongside and my kids and, and uh, builders-in-law were wonderful. And, you know, if I decided, at, which I did the first year, I didn't want to put up Christmas decorations. They mm-hmm. said, okay. They just, they just said, okay, and accepted it as opposed to pushing, which would have made me put my back up, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, they let, let me be nutsy. Because sometimes you feel nutsy, and that's right. uh, you know they they let me be nutsy and love me anyway, and that was just amazing from both the family and the friends. And uh, one, you know, I mentioned uh, in the earlier part of the show having something that's your own, and um, having friends and family come around to help. The third thing, of course, is the Lord. Having the Lord there makes a huge difference. Because you can talk to him in the middle of the night when you're really missing your husband. And uh, you can talk to him in the daytime um, when you're thinking, if Chuck was here, I could do that. And, um, or Chuck isn't here and now I have to do that, mm. wh- whichever way it goes. And um, he's always there for us. And so that, to me, is a huge thing. Were you ever mad at God? Um, you know, I wasn't. Um, I figure everybody's going to die and they're all going to die unpleasantly. And that's just part of the human condition. So when our turn came, it was just, that's just the way it was.
1: What, what were some of your biggest challenges? I know of talking with so many widows over the last several years that um, financial concerns are, they had no idea what their finances were and their fu- husband passed away.
0: This is always amazing to me um, because of the one thing that should be done And if anybody's listening and do this, make sure your name is on every single piece of paper that has anything to do with finances or ownership, Mm. because then it passes to you. If your name is not on there, you've got to go through all kinds of uh, legal uh, stuff to get, get it to you. And uh, it doesn't have to be that way. Just make sure your name is on everything. And uh, the house, the car, any investments, um, whatever. We got stuck um, with, uh, we, we bank at a uh, credit union uh, and they do not have uh, safety deposit boxes. And uh, we wanted one for, you know, deeds, birth certificates, important stuff. And um, so we had to go to a nearby bank and open an account there, and they had a minimum of $1,000. So there was $1,000 that had been sitting in this bank for years so we could use their safety deposit thing.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well,
0: <laughs> when when uh, Chuck was dying, we forgot all about that. We made sure everything else was done. We talked to their financial advisor and made sure everything was done right and forgot all about that. And um, I couldn't get that money because uh, Chuck was the signee on it. And I was not, and I couldn't get that money. And I ended up finally getting it three years later when it was published in the paper as unclaimed property. Oh my goodness. And I claimed it then with a death certificate and I I finally got it. Plus some some interest, which was nice. Got a little bit of interest, but it was, you know, it was very weird to know that that's our money and I couldn't touch it.
1: Hmm. That is that's an amazing story, um, and and you also had uh, had a house and a lake cottage and oh, I yeah. yeah I know um, another brand new widow uh, that whose husband passed away with ALS she she had they had a lake cottage with so many memories that must have been hard for you to figure out what to do with that.
0: It was very difficult to figure out what to do uh, with the cottage because that was Chuck's place. I liked it. It was it was a beautiful beautiful lake but that was his place he loved that place more than any place on earth you know that was his place
1: yeah
0: and um the he died um july 2nd and as the summer's progressing i knew that if i didn't go to the lake house which was 10 hours away by the way oh wow if I, it was up in canada if i didn't go to the lake house you know it would just be harder next year i, I needed to go so i did went up by myself and um, it was a good thing that I did. It was hard, but it was good. The next summer, I spent the summer up there. Aww. And um, we have wonderful friends on the lake, and they were so gracious uh, and, you know, looking out for me and making sure everything was done that needed to be done and stuff. And um, But by that time, I had come to the conclusion that we needed to sell. And um, I knew neither of my kids could afford to keep it. When we bought it, it was a, a moderate price, but lake properties in Canada went wild there for a few years. And so now it was worth a lot more to insure, to pay taxes on. The lady at the uh, tax office told us, well, rich people have uh, lake houses, therefore they can pay the taxes. Well, the thing is, rich people don't necessarily have lake houses. They got them when they weren't mm. so expensive. And the only way they can pay all the, the costs is to sell the place. And um, so anyway, I, I made the choice with my kids' knowledge to um, sell the place. And then what about the house we lived in? Everybody's got a house they live in. Mm-hmm. Um, I recommend that you don't do anything for a year to two years, at least a year, so you get out of that fog and you can think. And um, so I looked around uh, our house, and uh, Chuck had been a putterer. He loved to fix things. And so the house was in great shape. And um, the longer he was gone, the the worse shape it would be getting in because I'm not a putterer and I don't know how to do all those things. And uh, so I decided to sell the house. And um, in the interim, I bought a a new place to be constructed. And the funny thing was the house sold immediately, but my new house wasn't built yet. So for seven months, I didn't have a house. Oh my. uh, it, it was my homeless period. <laughs> oh my and gosh. I, I had a great time. I was in Canada part of the time at the cottage up there. And I went to the Jersey Shore, which Chuck never liked, but I, I loved. And um, visited people. Every so often, I would come back to um, our, my home area and stay in a motel so I could go to the dentist and the doctors and check at the bank and all that kind of stuff. And then I'd <laughs> go someplace again. It was a great, fun time. Um, But I I don't recommend everybody do it because it's a little bit um, unsettling not to have a, (laughs) a steady address. (laughs)
1: That's right. Well, every, every widow that you run into, that I run into has a very exclusive and special story. And um, again, my day, my guest today on A Widow's Heart is Gail Roper. She's an incredible author and author of A Widow's Journey, Reflections on Walking Alone. And um, what, what advice do you have for someone who's just maybe, lost their husband, and you're on the other side. We are on, I am also on the other side. Yeah. What advice do you have for that that woman who just can't even hardly get out of bed?
0: Uh, unfortunately, you can't ignore grief. You can't avoid it. Um, you have to go through it. And uh, it's hard, it's hard work. And many of your days will be, I don't wanna get out of bed days. And I don't think there's any way to get around it. If there is, I have not found it. But the good news is the grief lessens over time. You just have to live long enough for that to happen. Um, death, death is so final and um, there's no do-overs. And uh, one of the biggest things I think any widow can do is take any regret that she has because she can't change anything now. Take any regret that she has because she didn't do enough. She ignored him when he was calling for help, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, Take that regret and give it to Jesus to take care of. Give it to the Lord because there's nothing you can do now except make yourself miserable. You're forgiven. Accept that forgiveness and um, put away regret. Same thing with anger. Some women are angry because if he had gone to the doctors when I first told him type of thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and... uh, again, let Jesus take care of that anger. And um, you, you got enough to deal with with the grief.
1: That is so beautiful, Gail. Thank you so much. And I remember in just the, the couple months after John had passed away, and, and you know, I, I mentioned it was because of an accidental drug overdose. And we had been through treatments and all kinds of things. And not only did I lose my husband, I always thought, as I said, that he would get better. Well, he got better in heaven. And then I was angry with him, I was mad. And I actually, and I I, I tell other uh, widows too, there's grief and then there's getting stuck too. And about eight months later, I found a Christian counselor to help me get through the anger that I had. And I'm like, the poor guy, I mean, he's in heaven, but he, he died, you know, and I'm mad at him still. Um, so that was very unique and yes. very helpful to find someone to talk me through it and understand that forgiveness and the love of Jesus that you just talked about.
0: Yeah, it, it is, um, especially when there's uh, hard circumstances in the death, like there was with your husband. Um, it, it's amazing to me the number of suicide uh, deaths that women coming to Widow's Journey Weekend have. It's just amazing to me the number of men that have killed themselves. And um, they have to deal with the anger You know, you put me in this terrible position, you know, you know, plus, why wasn't I enough? Why couldn't I help you? And and that's a hard one to deal with, too. And uh, counselors uh, may be very helpful uh, in that situation, too.
1: Well, Gail, um, a couple more things before we say goodbye. But could you tell me where you saw God throughout your journey? It could be yesterday or, you know, 10 years ago.
0: Well, this may sound weird, but I think one of the most gracious gifts was Chuck's deathbed scene. Um, it, my kids were there. It was, Chuck was not aware, but the five of us were standing around, uh, two sons, two daughters-in-law and me. And it was just a sweet time. My one daughter-in-law sang Amazing Grace and, and mm-hmm. we prayed and it was, it was a sweet time. And I, I'm thankful for that. I know many women do not get that. They do not get that. But I am thankful that we had that, and it was a sweet time. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I saw the Lord uh, through friends um, <clears throat> and um, family coming alongside me and encouraging me and uh, you know, asking me to go out for lunch, asking me to go uh, someplace with them so that I wasn't sitting around staring at the wall. Um, and, and I, I really appreciated uh, that kind of stuff. But I also initiated some stuff. You know, it life is rough when you're a widow, but sometimes you have to initiate something too. You can call somebody up and say, I need to get out, you wanna to go to lunch or whatever it happens to be.
1: You know, Gail, um, I was just reading that um you just have, like me, a heart for widows, and you decided to write about this, and you, and you began a blog covering your first two years, and then that became the book, uh, A Widow's Journey, Reflections on Walking Alone, and it became a conference that you referenced earlier in our chat here, and can you tell me about the conference, uh, what exactly happens there, and how can um, anyone go if they decide this is something I want to do?
0: The, the conference for me seemed like an automatic thing because I've done, like I said, I've done writers' conferences for 50 years. <clears throat> um, I decided from the beginning that um, rather than have like one speaker for the weekend, like as a typical retreat type of a setup, I wanted to have four different women tell four different stories. Mm. Uh, and so that's the way the speaking thing goes, four different women. Um, and, and it's been very effective because one of those stories will touch somebody out there in the audience. And uh, then we have uh, small groups that meet too. And uh, 10 to 12 women in a small group. And uh, in the small group, uh, everybody can tell her story if she wants to. And uh, I'd love to watch the fact that somebody is saying something and the lady across the uh, circle says, yeah, but I found out that this really helped me. And you know oh. they share back and forth and give each other really encouragement. And um, there's um, fun stuff to do. Uh, we have we'll have tai chi. We'll have movies. We'll have uh, a painting. We'll have um, chair massages. Um,
1: yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, even an image consultant, um, because particularly women who have been through a long illness with their husband, they are feeling really blah and uh we found that the image consultant has been a big big help she's the only one on staff who is not a widow um and uh but she's great and she loves working with the women so uh, that's also a fun extra
1: that sounds wonderful gail now you've got a widow's journey weekend coming up um in, in march
0: um if can can anyone register to come and and where is it at Anyone can register to come. It's going to be held at Sandy Cove Christian Conference Center, which is outside the town of Northeast in Maryland, right on the Chesapeake Bay. It's a beautiful facility. It's a gorgeous facility. (laughs) It is. It really is fun. Okay. Oh, go ahead. It's an hour from uh, Baltimore Airport and an hour from Philadelphia Airport. It's sort of in the middle, right off of I-95. So people fly in. A lady just told me she made a reservation from Oklahoma. So, um, you know, if you wanted to fly, you could rent a car and just drive an hour, and you're there. Um, If you go to sandycove.org and uh, look under events and under women, you'd see the uh, program.
1: Okay, and then and where can people register? Can they do that on your website?
0: No, they register with Sandy Cove.
1: Okay, sandycove.org. And then, of course, you have your own website, Gail. It's G-A-Y-L-E, Roper, R-O-P-E-R.com?
0: Yes. And when you go and look at it, you can see that it is it needs updating because Chuck's still on it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's then, 11 years now. <laughs> yeah, 11 years. And you yeah. wrote that amazing book and all these other wonderful books. And you remarried, right?
0: No, I've not. I've not even had a date. <laughs> Not that I'm, <laughs> I say to my kids, nobody wants me. What are you going to do? You're going to have to oh, take care of me. Oh, okay, uh, okay. I enjoy being single because I do what I want to when I want to.
1: I know. And I've heard and, that so many times. from uh, when Right.
0: I was- uh, but maybe four or five years ago now, um, my brother has a, a, a place in Florida that they go to in the winter and they weren't gonna be there in November, and he asked if I wanted to borrow it. It was when I was homeless. <laughs> they gave it to me <laughs> for a month. And um, I took the auto train to go to Florida. Um, you, you drive to Virginia, you get on the train, you leave at four in the afternoon, and at nine the next morning, you're outside of Orlando. So oh, it's wow. it's really it's great, uh, save us all that long driving. But I knew as I'm making these reservations that Chuck would not want to do that. He would not want to. He would want to drive. He would want to be in control or Mm -hmm. else he'd want to fly and rent a car. But sitting in that train, that that was, but I loved it. I thought it was great fun. (laughs) And that's another one of the things about being single. You do get to do the things you want to do. And um, you don't have to consider somebody else like you do when you're married. I mean, a good marriage is you're each giving for the other. But when you're no longer married, and I did go on one of those dating sites, Mm -hmm. and um, looking at all these uh, guys that fit my age profile, Mm -hmm. and they're all old men. (laughs) And I'm saying
1: you you are not an old lady, that's for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, they were old men, and I'm thinking, you know, they're the age Chuck was, but he always has that patina of the young man that I knew years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, over the aging, um, Chuck. So mm-hmm. it, it's interesting when you just, uh, look at pictures of guys and go, he's old, he's <laughs> old. And so I have more fun running around with my girlfriends.
1: Oh, I love that. And I love hearing the life and the spark in your voice and the nod that, you know, being, being alone is, is not anything that, that is negative. It's, you just explained that so well. I love that. Good. So, Gail, thanks for, for joining us. Would you mind just paging through your book and reading another little bit of encouragement before we go?
0: Yes, let's see. All right, this is halfway through the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're in year two. Uh, I'm feeling sad, gray, listless. It surprises me. Hasn't enough time passed that these feelings should be but a distant memory? Aren't I further along on this grief journey? Apparently not. As I analyze things, I realize my feelings are caused by more than the weather, all cloudy and depressing. They're more than merely being tired or discouraged. I think I'm feeling sad because this is the way it will be for me from now on. When I sold the house, I had the move and all the work involved to look forward to. Between the sale and the new place being furnished, I traveled and did interesting things. Then I had the new house and the settling in and the fun of decorating and the purchase of new things and the meeting of new neighbors. Now there's no excitement of the new. There's what is, and it's lonely, and it's my reality. Sigh. I'm feeling sad, and it's okay. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Be careful uh, to the paths of your feet, and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the left or the right. Keep your foot from evil proverbs
1: 4 25 27 Mm, i love it well uh gail roper thank you so much for joining me a widow's journey reflections on walking alone um it just walks through her journey and much like yours if you are listening you might want to find out uh, more about that book and help it uh help it lift your heart today gail thanks for being on a widow's heart um okay so gail is there anything else you want to want to mention before we go
0: One thing I didn't mention about the Widow's Journey weekend is that we have uh, Miriam Neff and her daughter, Valerie, who have just written a brand new book on women and finances, uh, coming to do a uh, session for us on women and finances, since this is brand new stuff for many of these women.
1: And Miriam is a gem, and I'm going to have her as a guest in the very near future here on A Widow's Heart.
0: (laughs) You'll enjoy her. She's really a neat lady.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Gail. We have got just um, a wonderful podcast here. Well, God bless you, Gail. Thank you so
0: much. Well, thank you, Pam. I've enjoyed Mm -hmm. it. It's been fun.
1: If you'd like to learn more about Gail and the other books that she's written, you can check her out on her website, galeroper.com. That's G-A-Y-L-E-R-O-P-E-R.com. And in closing, I just found this and wanna share it with you. In the ever-changing circumstances of life, there is a faithful, never-changing God in control. Every day begins and ends with his purpose. There isn't a detail that escapes his eye a trial that doesn't touch his heart, or a single experience beyond his compassion. Every moment of your life is in his care, not just because he's powerful, though he is, not just because he knows what he's doing, because he does, but because he loves you faithfully, measurably, and constantly. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Widow's Heart. If you know a widow, please share. If you are a widow, know that you are loved, cherished, and protected under his wings. A Widow's Heart is a product of University of Northwestern St. Paul Media and is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, and at myktis.com.